This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Bitheads. They are a staple in the tech community I come from and have done incredible work over the past 18 years with some of the largest brands in the world, including The Simpsons, Tapped Out, Box, Optimal Payments, The New York Times, among many, many, many others. All told, they've built over 500 solutions from enterprise to entertainment. I'm proud to have them as a part of Untether.tv. Please support us by supporting them. Go to bitheads.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Untether.tv. I am your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge. Context. Oh, it's the hope of the marketing industry right now. Context. With it, you can serve customers what they want, when they want it, and where it is convenient for them. See, at the crux of context is this thing we call location. It seems easy enough. Pinpoint where people are and send them an ad that is relevant to them at that moment. But as we'll see here, it isn't that easy. And in fact, our current offerings aren't faring very well at all. Today, we have Ellie Portnoy, who is the president and GM of Think Near, a company you guys who are longtime listeners should be very familiar with. He's been on a number of times before this. His firm has released the first tool to measure location accuracy in mobile advertising, the Location Score Index, and the results are, well, how would you say, appropriate for the industry still finding its way. He is here to arm you with the information you need to know to help you make the right decisions about bringing location-based marketing into your business. Ellie, welcome back. I guess I haven't scared you away because you came back again. No, I love it. You can't scare me away. This is amazing. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I think the industry, this report, and the clarity that you guys have put into this report and the understanding of where we are in this industry, uh, I think we all owe you a great deal of thanks. And from advertising marketers, uh, advertisers and marketers, I think that after this, if you've never heard of what Ellie's been up to with this, you will thank him as well. You'll be forever indebted to him. Uh, but I got to ask, what's the most surprising thing you found out while doing this location score index? So to me, the most surprising thing is just how little transparency there was in the marketplace. So we've been talking about the issues in location accuracy for a while, but um, because we hadn't quantified it for people, I don't think marketers and advertisers really understood the, the level um, and just how big of an issue it was. And um, I think marketers in general are starved for transparency. There's so much room for manipulation and um, all sorts of other stuff when it comes to the ad tech industry. And so when we came out and said, hey, we're going to totally open up the curtains and show you exactly what's going on and um, create this location score index and, and give people really quantifiable and real data about um, the magnitude of the issue, I think people were just really excited. And we didn't expect you know, how much transparency was missing and also how much excitement there would be for this information. Well, the, the, the big problem is, is that the ads that are being served that are supposed to be targeted to a location are all over the place, aren't they? How do you classify the biggest, the big issue with what you guys have uncovered here? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly that. Advertisers are paying money to target someone because they think that someone is um, in location A and that person can be very, very far away. Um, there's, we, we categorize the location score into five components and um, everywhere from accurate within 100 meters, which is fantastic, all the way to accurate within 100,000 meters. And, um, and more. I mean, we have examples where we 
um, where an advertiser thought they were paying for uh, to target someone in a you know a sports stadium in Los Angeles, and when we run verification tactics to figure out where they're actually running, they're all the way out in uh, New York, and so <laughs> what? Let alone not in a sports stadium, but you know in a totally different side of the United States. So it's it's a pretty significant chunk of the inventory and um, w when we actually broke it out the the total industry came out at uh, location score 49 which basically means that um, close to 70 percent it's actually 64 percent of all inventory was not accurate within 100 meters and that's you know that's just really really bad is there uh, kind of a, a written service level agreement for these advertisers or is this just understood that when you say location-based ads that it would display within that 100 meter range? Or is, is there an SLA that, that we can adhere to at this moment? Well, it, it really depends, and it depends on what the advertiser is trying to do. So in many cases, advertisers are trying to use location as a um, for proximity sake. So they're saying, you know, I've got a retail location, or I have um, a, a restaurant, or I have X location that I want to target people around. And so they're using location to say, okay, anyone who's within two miles or three miles. And that's essentially the SLA. The, the advertiser is asking for targeting within three miles of that location. And that's what the advertiser is promising to deliver. When it comes to geo audience or this idea that by understanding where someone is, you can understand a whole bunch of things about what kind of person they are and what they might be interested. That's when the, you know, the granularity of the location becomes even more, um, important because all of a sudden you're saying I want to target someone in that sports stadium um, because I want sports enthusiasts or I want to target someone in a car dealership because I want auto intenders and you know at that point 100 meters is really you know the least granular you can get because anything outside of that and the person is no longer in that location and so that becomes that's why the 100 meter um, example is so important. You know, it's it's uh, there was a term I was just trying to remember. It was like geohacking or geotargeting. No, it's not geotargeting. It's geohacking or something to that extent where where people there, there was this trend going around where retailers would target somebody in their competitor's store with with an ad, right? Or at least that's what a lot of companies were selling. Um, like in your opinion, with a forty nine out of a hundred score uh, for location targeting, it, it, would that be possible one hundred percent of the time? It just it seems to me right now, based on this conversation, it's impossible to target somebody. Actually accurately all the time somebody in a business across the street when you're trying to woo them over to your business yeah so it is possible and and the great thing about lo about location is that when you do it and you do it well it, it can have outsized returns for advertisers it's incredibly impactful to actually fulfill the promise of right person right time right location the the problem is it's not easy at all and there's so many variables that go into getting location right and um, those variables include the phone the user is on the um, iOS the OS it has installed the app they're using the settings they have on their phone um, whether they have clear line of sight to a GPS satellite so there's lots and lots of things that go into getting really good location and the first step in ensuring that you're getting that good location is to understand those components and to build in um, the tools to be able to make sure that you're actually delivering on that great location and so when we looked at the industry and we started to see that you know there's a whole bunch of data that's not good and by the way that data didn't just happen automatically from one day to the next it's actually been a progression as the industry has evolved and when we saw that progressing and we saw it was becoming a real problem we started building in all these tools internally so that we could deliver good location versus bad location and make sure we were 
doing the right thing by our customers. Um, and what we found was, hey, we've got these tools internally that we built. Let's productize them and, and basically add transparency to the market and let everyone see what we're seeing. And that's sort of how Location Score came to be. But is this is this a pink elephant? I mean, was this something that people talked about? Or was this something that was just hidden or that was in plain sight but nobody wanted to talk about? And, and why you guys? Why did you guys have to come up with this in order to be able to shine a light on it? Yeah, so I, I do think that... Um, that folks understood that this was an issue. And I think different different players in the space dealt with it differently. Some of them came out and tried to build products and tools to, um, you know, to do the best that they could to deliver good location. Others tried to ignore it. Um, I think ultimately the the reality is that we made we made a really concerted effort in solving this because um, based on our background, the reason why we started Think Near was because we initially wanted to do a totally different business that would plug into the location-based ad networks. And when we plugged into them and we started buying inventory from them, we realized that we were not getting this precise location that we wanted. And so the whole reason why we started Think Near was to deliver on precise location. And so. Um, we start doing that and we start seeing some issues and then on top of that we get acquired by Telenav that has been building GPS solutions for the last 14 years. And by the way, when you build GPS solutions for consumers, the the threshold, the bar, the quality bar is so much higher than an ad tech because you can't tell someone uh, who wants to get to you know, a restaurant that it's on 50-ish Avenue. You actually have to get them there. On so, Do you say on 50-ish Avenue? 50-ish, yeah. You That's can't great. That. Unless you're Apple, right? First generation map, right? You can kind of <laughs> approximate where you're supposed to be. It could be in the middle of a field. You, you'll get somewhere. It might not be where you wanted to get originally, right? That you're right. Doing consumer location is not, for, especially for directions, is is not easy, as we found out very, very, very often. Yeah, exactly. And so having Telenet behind us and looking at the data they were seeing and having sort of grown up trying to solve this problem. You know, it just became our core focus through and through. And knowing that we're spending all of our resources on this and that we're really building sophisticated tools to solve this and that the market is just not aware that this is an issue, it felt like, hey, we've got to add transparency to this market um, and we've got the tools to do it. So that that's sort of why we went out and did but this. Doesn't it seem to you that it's that the, the guys who are out there selling this and, and I don't mean to paint one big you know, you know, paint everybody with a single brush because there are there are companies that are doing this exceptionally well, and then there are companies who are doing this exceptionally poorly. But is it kind of like snake oil? Like it, that's what when I when I read the report and I saw the numbers and I saw the accuracy numbers between what was it like between sixty meters and sixty miles? You know, like you're supposed to be in LA in a stadium and you're in New York somewhere. Like it's, it sounds like they're selling snake oil at that point. Is that it? It leaves me feeling a little greasy. You know? Yeah. I mean, so I. The thing that's important to remember is that location actually is really, really hard. And a lot of the folks that are playing in this space are not location experts. So you've got publishers and you've got app developers and you've got guys who mean well and are trying to build the right tools and the right systems um, for their core customer, which is not necessarily an advertiser. And then on top of that, they're selling advertising against it. And so they don't really understand the intricacies and the nuances of getting good location. And so. I think a lot of times it's good players who just aren't informed. So one of the things we're actually doing with location scores, we've built a scorecard for all of the inventory sources we work with where we show them, this is your location score. This is what it looks like compared to the rest of the industry. This is what it looks like compared to your competitive set. And on top of that, we built a white paper that gives them all of the tools they need to figure out how to pull better location. So that's one thing. I think there's just a lot of, um, there's just missing information and education in the marketplace around how to do location right. 
But then on top of that, I do think that there's real money associated with location. And when there's real money, you know, there's sometimes perverse incentives. And I think we have seen a bunch of that. So um, I would say it's not just snake oil. There is some of that. And there's also misinformation and lack of education. And ultimately, probably the most important piece and the reason why this has persisted is because the lack of transparency um, advertisers and agencies didn't know what questions to ask. And so without you know, people asking for the real thing, it just made it really easy for this to continue. Yeah, I, I, I like that answer. I think it's, it's, it's safe. But there is, there are those guys that just shouldn't be selling this, as you said, right? It's not their business. They don't understand it. They don't have somebody like Telenav who has the history, the rich history of location and understands location data. Um, and then it's, it's but it, it always, when, when you hear something like this, I think the key thing is exactly what you said is that we weren't asking the right questions, right? So I, I asked very early on in this whole mobile marketing, location-based marketing world is that, I don't believe that a less like that a 1% or a 2% click through rate, which is what people were branding, you know, who, who you know, were uh, in the industry, were looking at mobile advertising at that point, they're looking at click through rates, the same thing as the web. And they were saying, look, it's like 30 times greater click through rate than the web. And so, you know, a 1.5% or a 2% click through rate seemed amazing for mobile. And my argument was, no, it should be like a 98% click-through rate. If you're getting context, location, everything absolutely accurate, you should be hitting 98 to 100% click-through rate. You might only get nine people to click, but they're the nine customers that you want. And people looked at me and said, you're out of your mind. 2% is great. But I think that what you're talking about here is that when you do it all right, the impact should be absolutely amazing when you're doing it right. So what is the difference between good location data, you know, or subpar, maybe good average and great location data. What can that mean to a business? Yeah, no, I think that's that's the great question. That's just such a phenomenal question because that's really gets to the heart of whether this even matters. Like, you know, we could talk about doing location really, really well, but if it doesn't actually impact performance, then who cares? And so, um, one of the things we did is when when we started talking about the location score index is we we ran a whole bunch of different tests um, both ourselves and with third parties to understand the impact of location score on campaign results and and we were looking at four different metrics to understand the impact we looked at click-through rate we looked at time on site so when someone clicks on the banner how long do they actually stay on the landing page? And we, the, the way we differentiated was anyone who stays over five seconds means that they were interested in the content. Anyone who stayed less than five seconds either bounced off, accidentally clicked, or just didn't care. Then we also looked at how many people actually went into the retail location. Of, so if it was a proximity-based campaign, how many people actually ended up going into the um, venue? And we used we worked with Placed as a third party to, um, to actually run this campaign. And then the last thing we did is we used our own metric, which we called drive-to rate, which is using our own GPS navigation solutions to see you know, how many people initiated and went on a route to get to the location. And the really interesting thing is we saw huge lift on time on site. So 45% more people actually stayed more than five seconds when a high location score was used versus a low. Um, and we saw similar results across all the verticals when it came to in-store visits and drive-through rate. The amazing thing was we didn't actually see much of a lift on click-through rate. And so we started looking into it and it, this, this brings brings us to the dirty little secret about click-through rate in mobile. And that dirty little secret is that um, the highest influence on click-through rate is actually the placement of the banner in <laughs> buttons. And so you look at apps and the highest difference in click-through rate actually happens app by app based on that placement of the button. And that's why you know 
marketers know accidental click clicks are a huge component of mobile and why sometimes the click-through rate gets higher or low and um, what I would encourage marketers is to really look at deeper KPIs because those are indicative of real value being delivered and um, we've seen that time and time again and I think location score is another um, good indicator of that that is an issue you know so uh, you know a click-through rate is not a, a, an attribution rate I think is the key there right because as you said like that's interesting I've seen guys and we've talked about this uh, on a number of shows that you know put a banner ad with a little X in the corner, right? So that you, they, you think you can actually close it, but by clicking on it, you're clicking through, right? Which is which right. is terrible, right? And also they put it up above their navigation, as you say, and, and, and uh, you know, the accidental click-throughs when, when you're above navigation or below navigation is astronomical, especially if you've got fat fingers. So, you know, right. I think there's nefarious activity with the click-through rate, but I love the idea that you're talking about is that you've got to understand the cycle from from the time they see an ad or hear an ad to the time they walk into the store and the impact of that ad in context to location and uh, and time of day and all that kind of stuff that, that we're talking about here is that so click through ad um, click through is not an attribution rate it should never be that uh, or maybe it's one piece of it but it's a weighted piece is that accurate it's a proxy yeah i think yeah. it's a proxy and i think it's an interesting proxy and i think um i think we'll get to a point where click through rate becomes more meaningful in mobile i just think um that we have to find a way to get around sort of this accidental click as a way to measure it. But the, the, the meta point is that the um, location score really impacted performance metrics. And if you take out accidental clicks, it impacts click-through rate as well. It's just harder to see at a top-line level. I love it. Well, you know, I interviewed uh, recently a company called Zap Media. And these guys do uh, interactive uh, radio ads, so internet radio ads, where it says, hey, if you'd like to download the app, say download right now and then you you know the human says download and then it automatically you know either sends you a link to the download or downloads the app depending on the platform and awesome. that's an attribution rate like that that is clearly you can see action as a result it's not a click-through rate it's like this is i've spoken as a human to this machine which is my phone to tell you to do something so i that is a really powerful way of attributing something to it and i think that you know as we start to experiment in this world attribution becomes much more clinical and clear than a click-through rate because click-through rates just I've hated them from the moment that they're on the web I've hated now it's on then it's on mobile and I'd be interested to have a longer conversation on why you think that it'll actually at some point become a valuable component to this so we'll, we'll, what actually let me ask you why do you think that it'll happen where where a click-through rate will be valuable for uh, for mobile advertising yeah, so I think that from a from a brand's perspective and, and a, when you're running a branded type of campaign where you're not actually trying to get someone to download something or to go into a store, there needs to be some measure to understand um, how interested or excited someone was about seeing that message. And so there are brand lift studies and there are a whole bunch of different ways to measure it. But I think click-through is a pretty clean way if you can you know, take away all the dirty data around accidental clicks and fraudulent clicks and all, all that, it does mean that someone saw the ad and was interested enough to click on it. And so as I think, and, and marketers really like it because it's a really easy number to understand. So if, if we can get around some of the issues that are currently, um, currently exist in the, in the marketplace, I think it, it's not a terrible uh, metric, although I still love the attribution metrics a lot more, clearly. What do, you, what do you think is the, I mean, I, I don't know if there's an answer to this, but is there a, like an industry acceptable accidental click-through rate for mobile banner ads and mobile advertisement? I, I don't know of one. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've been trying to find it. Like, is it 25%? Is it 10%? So you can kind of put this blanket over top of it and say, look, a third, a tenth, 25% of all click-throughs by accident, right? So that you know how to kind of level set or adjust your expectations. I, 
If anybody out there who's listening or watching this has has any data on that, I'd love to hear you. And so I'm sure that Dali would as well, because uh, it's just a it's a baseline. Um, so how do how you said that the the number that you kind of gave overall um, was 49. That's 49 on 100 uh, in terms of uh, accuracy and acceptable use. And how how did you come to that number, the 49? Yeah, so we, we wanted to devise a methodology that was really simple to understand and accounted for the two components that, that matter in location accuracy. So the percent of inventory that's accuracy and the inventory that's not accurate, how inaccurate is it? Because you, you basically don't want to penalize someone who um, had an impression that was 100,000 meters away the same way you would penalize someone that was 150 meters away but doesn't fall into the 100 meters. Right. So um, we basically came up with five categories. So hyperlocal being 100 meters, and the next category is 100 meters to 1,000 meters, and 1,000 to 10,000, and 10,000 to 100,000, and then anything worse than 100,000. And we weighted them differently based on, you know, if you're within 100 meters, um, you get a full point. If you're not, you get a little bit less. If you're further, a little bit less. And um, it just, we wanted to come up with something that was easy to understand, easy to replicate, easy for everyone to use. Um, and when, when we built out this algorithm and um, applied all of the location data we had bought across all of the different inventory sources, came out at a 49. So there's definitely room for improvement, would you say? I would say there's quite a bit for room for improvement, yeah. Huge. What, are, what are some of the companies that, like, uh, do, you, do you feel comfortable naming some of the companies that are doing it very well or not doing it well or apps that are doing it well? Well, I could tell you some of the characteristics about sure. the apps that are doing it well. So the apps that are doing it well are using location to to power part of the customer experience. And so they they want good location so that they can create a better experience. And then they're also using that location um, for advertising purposes. And the reason those guys tend to do it really well is because um, they need good location, otherwise their consumer experience just doesn't work. And so they're actually becoming experts in how to get good location. And so they're doing all the right things to get that location well. Um, the folks that do it less well are where location is just a, a advertising piece of data and they're just doing it to, to generate revenue. And so for the most part, um, there's just not nearly the same level of care and effort in getting that good location. And so um, I would say that's, you know, that would separate the great from the bad. You know, it's it's interesting. I love that. So if, if location is a core piece of your business, uh, then then it, I mean th that obviously makes you an expert in in finding the right people for uh, the business that you're in. But if it's an if it's a tack on, if it's an add on, like I know some of the newspapers here in Canada, their apps location doesn't like th they call themselves location data but it's really not right it's just basically geofenced like if i'm in ottawa and i go to calgary then they'll just show me calgary ads instead of ottawa ads right so that's lazy that's not location is in their business um so I, I i see a lot of that in the industry but it is the experts and and i think you have to understand the the multiple ways of capturing location right because it's not just about gps and it's not just about uh, you know one piece of this there's many ways to capture location i mean how I saw in your paper there's five different ways that that location is captured. Um, what are they? Yeah, absolutely. So so there are five different ways, and each one is more accurate than the next. And so it, the probably the best way to think about it is like a waterfall. So the most precise and accurate is assisted GPS, and that's basically using the GPS chipset and the Wi-Fi sensors. And the GPS chipset is looking for a um, a triangulation of the satellites. Um, the GPS satellites, and then on top of that, it's using um, Wi-Fi and triangulating the Wi-Fi signals that it's getting to get the most precise, quickest GPS readout. Um, 
then GPS comes next. So GPS in isolation without Wi-Fi, um, and then using just the Wi-Fi towers without GPS. Um, and then if the app developer can't do this, or it doesn't have permission from the user, or it didn't ask for permission, or a whole bunch of other reasons, or it couldn't get a good um, line of sight to the satellite, it can revert to cell tower triangulation, which is looking at the cell towers and trying to figure out place. And, and that's not all that accurate. Um, if that doesn't work, it can use IP, an IP reverse geocode. So looking at the IP address and trying to figure out where that IP is originating from. And that's really inaccurate. That's, you know, at a best case level, that's 60% of the time accurate. And when it's accurate, it's accurate to within a thousand or so um, meters. So not all that great. And then um, the final thing that an app developer can do is it can um, use a reverse, uh, a reverse lookup of the zip code or address that was used to register. Now, the problem with this is at its most precise level, it's precise within a zip code, but far worse is the fact that it's a static reading. So I registered for a bunch of apps when I lived in Boston seven or eight years ago, and I still see ads from Boston whenever. <laughs> and so I live in Los Angeles now. I haven't been to Boston in a really long time. And so um, that's highly inaccurate. Yeah, yeah, but you know, at least it's a start, right? Like the the location. Then it's on them to make sure that your data is up to date. But um, but that's the stack. I mean, when you talk about location, that is the location stack, right? And and from from super accurate to not so accurate. And I think that uh, like I, I remember reading this great book called Killing uh, Pablo, which was about killing Pablo Escobar, about how they managed to kill him, and they relied on cell triangulation, right? Escobar, you know, made the dumb mistake of calling somebody, and it, I think the, the the call lasted for 15 seconds, and then the American troops descended on him and shot him to death, right? Like, so I, I think that it's this perception of of uh, cellular triangulation or cell tower triangulation is adequate adequate enough to get to this point where if they can kill Pablo Escobar, right, who was one of the most notorious drug leaders ever. Uh, by cellular tri triangulation or cell tower triangulation, that that it would work for for you know a, a retail outlet. I don't even know how I can segue over here, but uh, <laughs> from Pablo Escobar to, um, but you know what I mean. So, but I just I want to demonstrate that that this is there are levels here and complexities here and fallback measures here that have to be in place. And if you are out there trying to buy ads, location aware ads, contextually aware ads, you, you have to know that it, that this is the stack and this is the sequence with which you have to follow in order to get the, the accuracy that you deserve for the money that you're spending. Uh, that, I don't know how I got Pablo Escobar, but it's the first thing that came into my mind when you said cellular triangulation or cell tower That's triangulation. Um, so, you know, but why why does the the data suck? Is it just is it just the state of the industry? It's it's early, uh, or is it laziness, or is it do we not understand really what it means to triangulate down to this level or the complexities? Why why does the data suck so bad? Yeah, well, I think it's a bunch of different things. So I I think it comes down to again education, incentives, and transparency. So on the on the incentive side. When we first started doing location-based mobile advertising, only 10% of impressions had a lot long. It's now 67%. And the reason it's 67% is because advertisers are asking for it. They're paying more money for it. There's incentive for publishers to pass it. And so the guys who had it who weren't passing it are now passing it, which is fantastic. But it's also created incentives for folks who didn't have great location capabilities to still try and find whatever they could and for location in any way that they could and pass it. So that's one thing. The second thing is about education. A lot of publishers would just get the right location, but they don't know how. 
And then the last thing is just around transparency. So um, advertisers don't really know what to look for and what to ask for. So they're not asking the hard questions. So they're not making sure that they're getting the right things. And so all three things combined to make it a pretty big deal right now. So what, what, should, what should they be asking? Are there questions that, that they should be able to ask in order to be able to protect themselves or to get the, the value for the dollar they're spending? Yeah, there are definitely questions. So the first thing is that I, I want to clear up a misconception. A lot of times when I talk to advertisers and agencies, they say, well, we know we're getting good location because we're only using lat long for our um, advertising campaigns, or that's what our network tells us. Lat long does not mean it's accurate. A lat long is just a representation of a point on a map. The What matters is the source of the data, the source of the lat long. Was that lat long derived from a zip code, which was then converted into a lat long for the center point of that zip code? Um, or was it actually gotten from a GPS readout with a high degree of confidence? And so I would, I would implore advertisers and agencies and marketers to stop asking about whether their data is in the form of a lat long and ask, what is the source of the data? How are you getting that data? How are you cleaning it up? What are some of the um, instruments and tools that you're using to make sure that you're only um, buying great lat long for us or using great lat long for us? So source of the data is really important. How you're cleaning up that data is really good. And then what transparency can you offer me? So how can you make me understand what was good and what was bad? Because it's not possible to get 100% totally accurate location. But it's very possible to get in the 95, 90 percentiles. And um, so the question for advertisers should be asking is, how can you show me where I am and where I'm not? It's a great question. And if they stutter or stall or don't have an answer for that, turn around, run away. Right. <laughs> uh, I, but when you when you did these studies um, and, and you provided this data, uh, the grades, basically, uh, on some of these ad networks, uh, what was their response? So marketers and advertisers were really excited to see this data. I mean, this is stuff that they, they, I think they sort of understood, but they'd never really seen quantified. So there was a lot of excitement. I think within the industry, um, folks are asking me why I'm shaking the tree. You know, the, the industry is <laughs> and um, this is asking, causing people to ask hard questions. And my answer to that is, I'm not interested in seeing location-based advertising be a fast-growing industry. That's not where I'm at. I want to see it become a huge incredibly productive high ROI industry that's helping everyone and the only way we get there is if we add transparency and we build the right tools and we make sure we do this right there's no reason not to actually go for you know the real thing like we location actually matters in mobile advertising and the more we clean up the industry the more everyone will realize that and the more money will flow in and the bigger we can build this thing and so um, you know we we're really trying to build a very very large um, market here and the only way to do that is to do it right and so that's what I'm doing now. why people are asking me hard questions that I need to answer why did you do this Ellie why did you guys hey, wah, wah. you know it's it, it, I love that and and you know what I, I think that there was um uh, I think that the way you did this was very was very adroit was very politically correct right because I, I think that in a couple of years if we're still struggling with this industry I would implore you maybe even a year or six months I would start to do like the the uh, ad network index where you put the you know you grade them from top to bottom. This is the best ad network. This is the worst, right? And and uh, you give them all a grade and you make that all very public so that people are held accountable. Because if if companies are spending good money with these guys, then then they deserve a product that is actually in line with the money that they're spending. So if you're cheap, 
go with a crappy network, right? But you know what you're getting into. And I think that that buyer beware, like the Better Business Bureau from, you know, uh, ad networks, uh, I think is something that you guys could possibly do. But I love the fact that you've taken a kind of a Canadian approach, right? <laughs> Which is, you know, we're going we're gonna to send out 470 warning shots, but the 471st, we're going to publish your name, right? Um, and I think that this, uh, this kind of happened, and I don't, actually, maybe I do is that you kind of want to drive the Johns and, and the pimps and the prostitutes out of this business, right? So here in Ottawa, and it, I think it's across Canada now, is that when you get, and I have not, I just want to clarify that, but when you get busted for trying to pick up a prostitute, your name gets published in the newspaper, right? It gets published on websites. So it is a permanent record for you guys, and then you stop doing it, right? So I think that, you know, the approach here, soft at first, maybe a little bit harder later, is that something that you guys would, did you consider that? Yeah, I mean, so we definitely don't want to call specific networks out just because um, I, I want to believe that everyone is trying to do the best that they can and is working hard to solve these issues. Um, the What we will do, and, and we feel like this is really important for advertisers and um, agencies and marketers, is we're launching a tool called Location Score Tags. And what Location Score Tags is, it's, it's a verification tool that any advertiser can use across any of the campaigns they run whether with us or with anyone else and they'll get a location score out of their campaign so they'll they'll actually be able to use this to get that transparency and get that accountability um, and so we won't publicly name anyone but we will build the tools so that advertisers can can get that level of um, transparency and insight and it's totally free tool we're not going to charge for it it's still it's all on the same sort of um, the, the the same line of thinking that if we build transparency, we build the tools to give transparency, folks will be able to compare us to the rest and they'll naturally come to us. And if not, then at least it builds the, the entire ecosystem and helps make sure that everyone is doing the right thing by customers. And I think ultimately everyone wins this way. So um, I'm really excited about the location score tool tags. And um, my goal actually is that once we roll it out and we put it out there, um, a couple of months after, I'd like to either open source it or give it to a third party. And let them take it because you know clearly there's some inherent conflict of interest and i don't want any any of that clouding sort of marketers ability to use it so um we'll launch it and then give it to someone to run with it uh, i love that and, and and this is something that it came as a result of of the reports that you guys have been doing yeah absolutely so we had a lot of requests and questions about okay well i get that there's an issue help us solve it mm -hmm. and this is our way to solve it it's just you know, okay, well, we can't actually go in and, and solve it across everyone. We've been solving it this way. We'll share that information, but we'll also share some tools so that you can compare Apple to Apples. Do you think that, uh, I, I mean, I love that. And this is something called location score tags, right? Yep. And they'd be able to find information about that just to go to thinknear.com? Yeah, they can go to thinknear.com or they can go to locationscore.com and they'll find information there as well. Okay. What, it's so fascinating because this is, this is how complex this industry is. And I keep coming back to this. I keep harping on it. But, you know, it, it's a, um, it, takes, it takes a company like you and the sequence with which happened with Thinknear, which is to evolve, build a business, evolve that business, uh, become a part of something like Telnav, have the resources to be able to then start asking deep profound questions about the industry, which may not happen or may not be able to happen with a startup, right? When you're always running at a, you know, at a million miles an hour. So you've had enough time to be able to sit back and then go through the sequence and then be able to take something like this and, and open source it and, and make it part of the community. Um, but I, I have to ask, like, how much is this, 
How much has this changed your business, the revelations that you guys have found from the location score index and then and then to kind of build something like location score tags? How much has this changed think nears thinking uh, around this industry? Well, it's definitely um, highlighted for us the need to do the right thing. It's highlighted for us the need to um, you know, drive the levels of transparency that we think are appropriate. And it, um, it, it's also, I, I personally just enjoy it more because it, you know, it's the way I like to operate in the way that I, I don't think, um, I, I think advertisers and marketers want us to be operating. So um, it, it's just, it's also been a rallying cry inside our company. So to take you inside the minds of the, you know, the people who work at Think Near, it's just been really, really exciting for everyone to not just have a mission of growing a business, but to, you know, doing something right by the industry. And that's been really, really fun for all of us. It sounds like you guys are shaping this industry. I mean, I don't know anybody else who's talking in this language. From the very first time that we covered you, uh, I think it was a, uh, like a, you know, Chuck Martin saw you speak at a keynote. You went to one of his uh, OMA events um, and uh, gave a, he said, one of the best presentations he's ever seen um, and uh, about this. And, uh, you know, his jaw hit the floor um, because of what you guys did with the location score index. And I think that that has that evolves into something like location score tags. And, and uh, you know, it can't help but do good for this industry, which is something that, uh, you know, a lot, not a lot of people in this fast paced world um, are, are willing to do. I love the way that you put it is that we'd rather we don't want to grow fast. We want to grow a big industry. And in order to do that, you have to set the foundation. And, and that's when I come back to these service level agreements is that as you're buying advertising and you're trying to do some contextually aware location based marketing, you have to feel comfortable, confident that whatever it is that you're spending your money in is capable of delivering the right message to the right person at the right time. Because if you don't, then we're going to be back at this ridiculous rate of 1% or 0.05% click through rates and we're going to be disappointed and we are going to miss the opportunity that is mobile marketing. Is that a good way of summarizing? I think so. I think that's exactly the right way to think about it. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, uh, well. All right, so we're going to send people to locationscore.com yeah. or thinknear.com. One of those two, you'll arrive at the right place. Because right now, if you go to uh, uh, thinknear.com, you can actually click through and, and register uh, and get yourself a copy of the Location Score Index. Um, and if you're spending money in location-based advertising, I would just, I, I can't even stop listening right now and go do that simply because it'll be an eye-opener for you. And then start asking those right questions to the, your provider, uh, your advertising company, the company that's doing the advertisement, the company that's providing the, uh, the ad slots. Just ask questions. Don't, take, don't go on blind faith. Um, and then even though it killed Pablo Escobar and uh, I brought in prostitution in the same uh, presentation, been very accommodating. Uh, Ellie, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. All right. So uh, go to thinknear.com or locationscore.com. Once again, we've been speaking with Ellie Portno, who is the GM and president of Think Near. He was the founder of Think Near, acquired by Telnav a couple of years ago. And uh, one of my most popular guests, Ellie, I thank you for coming back one more time. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for having me. You folks out there who are listening, watching, wherever you may be, physically, emotionally, wherever it is, hopefully you are driving in your car, listening to this, you're at the gym, doing something productive. Thank you for coming by. Thank you for listening to this episode. We'll see you next time on Untether.com.